Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It is now the 23rd day of December 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from what I thought was called the Bob Hope International Airport, but it's actually now called the Hollywood Burbank Airport in Burbank, California, the birthplace of former California Angels third baseman Doug DeSenseis. So I take it it's no longer the Bob Hope Airport. I've been here 100,000 times over the last few years, and it's been the Bob Hope Airport here in Burbank. And they've thrown Hollywood's name on it and Burbank's name on it and Glendale's name on it and Pasadena's name on it just to make sure everyone knows you know, what part of Los Angeles this airport exists on. And... It was the Bob Hope Airport. I don't know how long it was the Bob Hope Airport, but certainly it's been the last bunch of years. And I, I always thought the whole point of naming something after someone is that it stays that name for a while. But evidently, uh, someone decided to no longer honor the former co-owner of the Cleveland Indians, Bob Hope. And it's now uh, it's now simply the... I guess they want to trick people into thinking that, oh, it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. It's glamour. It's glory. And, you know, I I don't know. I'm going to go, I'm going to say something here. I'm not a a huge Bob Hope fan. Uh, I I understand he did a bunch of things uh, that a lot of other people, including Woody Allen, kind of mimicked in their movies. And so you have to admire him for laying down some of the groundwork. He just, you know, has never done it for me. But, you know, this was this was named after him. You know, I thought it would last a little longer than that. You know, I'm not going to turn this into a, you know, woe is lamenting the, the legacy of Bob Hope, but, eh, I kind of liked it being the Bob Hope Airport. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still going to call it that. Ah, who am I here? It's always, where are you flying into? No one's not flying into Bob Hope. I'm flying into Burbank. Just call it the Burbank Airport, I guess. Anyway, um, as you probably hear from the background, they're playing, uh, I guess this is Bing Crosby, appropriately enough, uh, Bob Hope's former partner, St. Christmas and Killarney in the background, which is the classic uh, Irish uh, Christmas song, which anyone with a last name like Sullivan has to hear at least once uh, Christmas time. Go like, yeah, 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 we're part Irish, let's, 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 uh, let's move on and play White Christmas or something decent again. It's a... We're uh, on the verge of Christmas time, and I hope you're getting your if you're if you celebrate Christmas, and I I hope you got your holiday shopping done. Uh, I'm almost done. I'm getting there. I should be done by the end of today. I'm usually done by now, but I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, it's been a, a distracting fall for me, and I haven't been able to shop as much as I wanted to. Uh, when I was driving here, I passed the Rose Bowl. And, you know, God need, you know, more people are thinking about football than baseball at this time of year, obviously. It's one of the functions that this podcast serves is to, you know, to have some baseball talk when no one else is talking. But here in Los Angeles County, uh, after years and years and years of not having an NFL team, we have an NFL team here now. 
with uh, the Rams moved back, uh, possibly to fulfill all the former fans who are here and the people who like the Warren Beatty film Heaven Can Wait, we now have the L.A. Rams. And the Rams have been a thudderino here in Los Angeles. It has been a, you know, the, a, a exercise in indifference. The fans here don't really seem to care. And the stadium isn't filled and people can't give their tickets away. And for years and years, L.A. was sitting here as a theory, as a concept, as a notion of like, hey, 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 if you don't build me a stadium, we'll go out to Los Angeles. You never know. We may leave. We may leave. And then now that we have a football team here, no one seems to care. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Rams start thinking, eh, maybe we should move back to St. Louis. Granted, they're playing in the ancient Los Angeles Coliseum and... You know, the team is not good at all. But it's still kind of strange that it's like, after all this buildup, there's just no interest. There's no buzz. It's not even a curiosity factor anymore. And it got me thinking about the Tampa Bay Rays. Because for years and years and years, the, the, the good folks at St. Petersburg built the dome that it's now called Tropicana Field. It was initially called the Suncoast Dome, and then it was called some other things. It was called the Thunderdome at one point when the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning played there. Why wasn't it called the Lightning Dome? I know, I know, because they were trying to they were trying to latch on to the the Mel Gibson film. Anyway, um, but while that stadium was sitting there, it was they built it trying to lure the White Sox in the late 1980s, and then try to lure an expansion team, try to lure the Twins, try to lure the Rangers, try to lure the Giants. And it was sitting there as a living threat for teams that wanted a new stadium. So, you know, we could just move to Tampa. We could play in Tampa Bay next year. That stadium's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. And it could be the Tampa Bay Giants, Tampa Bay Rangers, the Tampa Bay Twins, the Tampa Bay White Sox. And in each time, the city wet their pants and built a new stadium. Now, when a team was finally put in Tampa Bay, after the, when they had an expansion before the 1998 season, the team... It became a Thutterino. And Thutterino has will become the key word for today's episode. But it was like Los Angeles NFL, it became a much bigger thing in theory than in practice. You can blame a lot on the stadium, but you know, only so much you can blame on the stadium. You can blame on the location. That's, they built what was a suburban stadium in an era where everything became a downtown stadium. But I'm sorry, I can only take that as an excuse for so long. Especially because the, you know, the Rays eventually put a very, very good product on the field. Winning a pennant in 2008, making the postseason 2010, 2011, and 2013 having some of the, really some of the most exciting players in baseball come through their stadium. And, and yeah, I know Tampa Bay fans hate to hear this, but it's, you know, you know <laughs> you, they gave tickets away at one point. 
because they couldn't fill up the joint. They gave tickets away. And that's something that, I'm sorry, you, you don't get to live that down. You don't get to live that down at all. Because a, a good product was there. And you couldn't get people interested after years. And I mean years. The first season, I'll give it a pass. I'll give the first year a pass in 2008 because that caught everybody off guard. Okay? I don't give them a pass in 20, 2010. I don't give them a pass in 2011. I don't give them a pass in 2013 when they couldn't draw flies to that place. And I, I, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay is a market that is a much better market in theory than it has been in practice. You could say the same thing about Miami. You know, you can blame a lot of that on management, but you know, it's they've not been. It's not been the extravaganza that people were hoping for. And hell, you can say to a degree the same thing in Phoenix and in Denver that they haven't been the massive successes that people were hoping they'd be. It goes to a point that with people in Florida, and I think a lot of people in Los Angeles as well, there are native Los Angelinos. There are people who identify themselves with this city, to be sure. There's also many people who move to this city from other places. I happen to be one of them. Most of my friends I know, I knew moved here from either the Midwest or the West, or the East Coast. And they stay true to their sports teams through, a lot of them through the NFL. I mean, that became part of the identity of, of Los Angeles sports fan because there was no NFL team. You saw this weird mosaic of fandom throughout the city. I'm a Steeler fan, I'm a Patriot fan, I'm a Giant fan and everything, because there was no L.A. team. And you see that in Florida. A lot of people moved to Florida from other parts of the country, a lot of them from the Northeast. And there is a sense of keeping your old team is part of keeping your identity. Kind of like when they were playing Christmas in Killarney earlier. That was sort of a lot of my relatives and everything. That's how you play songs that reflect Ireland as a a identification of where we came from. You always seem to try to latch onto where you came from. When you're in New England, I was growing up in New England. There's a lot of people having identity with, you know, Italy or Poland or or Russia or Ireland or wherever their ancestors came from. When you we moved out west, I saw that wasn't the case. This the identification you stuck with was my family originally came from. Massachusetts or Maryland or New York or Virginia or wherever. And I think that people stick with their sports teams the same way. And when people settle in a place like Los Angeles or a place like Tampa Bay, sticking with their former their their old identity is something that is keeps people from adopting the local team. I think that a lot of people who are big sports fans who moved to Los Angeles, I don't think a lot of them are going to drop their NFL teams. I, I've made this point before. I've lived in California for many, many years now. And I haven't lived in Massachusetts since 1987. And yet, I'm still a Boston Red Sox fan. That's still my team. I haven't dropped them. 
And I've had many opportunities in, in the Silicon Valley, living in New York City, living, going back to the Bay Area, coming down here to L.A., to adopt new teams. Now, to be fair, I, I, the, my National League team is the Giants, and I have a tremendous amount of affection for the Oakland A's. I wouldn't mind seeing the Dodgers win. But if any of them played the Red Sox in the postseason, there, there's not even a debate. There, there's, there's not even a question of who I would root for. And that sort of devotion is almost entirely based on, yeah, that's the team that I grew up watching. Therefore, I can't let them go. And to expect some fans to let go whatever their NFL allegiances, whatever their baseball allegiances are, I, I think is not understanding the, the virtue of the sport. Now, there's not much you can do. I talked earlier this week about the fact the A's need to do something about their situation in Oakland. Tampa Bay needs to do something about their situation there. Now, I've been an advocate of expansion in baseball because I think that there are... I think that having 16 teams in each league will allow a schedule that doesn't have interleague play every day. I also think that it's been a long time since baseball has expanded, and I think baseball could work in some other markets. Um, that being said, we have to be very careful to think about where those markets can be. And you also have to take a look at the fact that Oakland may have to move their team, uh, as I don't think the Silicon Valley can support two teams. And we're going to take a good long look at Tampa Bay to say, is this a viable market anymore? It could be. It could be. But it may have to be, you may have to do a stadium situation, or you may have to take a good long look and say, maybe Florida is a great place for spring training, but not a great place for Major League Baseball. And there's a big, big time look in the mirror about that. You know, the assumptions you have, look at, like, Los Angeles uh, uh, football for the NFL could eventually work when they move out of the Coliseum and the Rams are any good, but I don't know, maybe they won't. You know, if baseball hasn't caught on in Miami, you know, the, the best, in Miami you have to get a new man, you have to get new management, you have to get Loria out of there, and you have to see if it'll work under new management. With Tampa Bay, they had wonderful management. They had a horrible stadium location. So you gotta see if they can work then. But what do you do if we find out that after, uh, you know, after a new stadium it doesn't work in Tampa Bay? What do we find out that even with a terrific owner, that no one gives a damn about Major League Baseball except for the, you know, sticking with the, the Mets and the Phillies and the Yankees and the Red Sox uh, because you've moved down from the Northeast to Miami. So you got to take a good long look in the mirror. But when I was driving here, I thought of something. And this may be a complete waste of energy and thought as something that could never happen. But bear with me for a second. There's another team that exists here in Los Angeles, and they moved here from another market. And they've been here for so long that I think some people forget the fact that they moved here in the 1980s, and that's the Clippers. Now, the Los Angeles Clippers, for years and years and years, were just a joke. 
They played right next to the Coliseum, the sports arena. Um, they were a terrible team that were there basically to fill out the schedule and existed in a way, especially in a bunch of those years when the Lakers are the team of L.A. Uh, the fact that the Lakers you know, drew the most, get the most sports attention, get the most most publicity. They are the team that if you're a celebrity, you want to be seen going to those games. It is the sexy team, whether it was the Kareem, Magic, James Worthy years, whether it's the Shaq, Kobe years, whether it's the Kobe, Pau Gasol years, whatever years it was. They have these stretches where the the city goes bananas for them and they're, they're, they capture everyone's attention, they capture the imagination of the city and every big time celebrity shows up there and everything. And then the Clippers are there basically for those people who want to see NBA games but can't afford Clipper tickets. If you're a Clipper fan in L.A., you're trying to prove something. You're trying to prove you're not a front runner and everything like that. And as the team has gotten better recently, there's been a little bit of glamour with them. But let's, let's be honest. The nanosecond the Lakers get great again the Clippers will go right back to being the, the bastard stepchild of L.A. sports. But you also see that there is a real following amongst people who move to Los Angeles from other places who adopt the Clippers. And the reason they do that is because they grew up hating the Lakers. Because the Lakers beat this team, they beat that. Some people immediately adopt them, thinking, I'm in L.A., I'm going to be a cool L.A. person. There's a bunch of people who are sports fans who move here, so I can't be a Laker fan. I've always hated the Lakers. But I've got no, I've got no beef with the Clippers. I have no qualm with the Clippers. I'll be a Clipper fan. And with that, the Clippers have found... And the fact that it's no longer owned by Sterling and they're, they're a better product now, they're finding a little niche for the transplanted people. This is your safe place. You want an L.A. team, but you don't want it to be a team that you've hated your whole life? Boom. There you go. Now, I was thinking, one of the teams that plays in a market, a huge market, that has tremendous following, tremendous passion, but also has absolutely polarizing points of view regarding them, are my team, the Red Sox. And one of the reasons why the Red Sox keep growing in their popularity is that they, they're the team of a region, an entire region. Yep, there's a, is this mine? No, not my flight, not my flight. But you have an entire region, New England, Connecticut, up at the, basically from New Haven, the, the end of the New Haven line up, with the rest of Connecticut, save for the suburbs of New York, all of Rhode Island, all of Massachusetts, all of Vermont, all of New Hampshire, all of Maine. So you have an entire region that is crazed about the Red Sox. But you also have a lot of people who move into New England. A lot of people move into New England for colleges. A lot of people move into, you know, a lot of people I know 
who start following baseball because they they go to their first real baseball games as a college student and other people for tech jobs and other people who are going to other, some of the other industries in Massachusetts and in New England. And some of them have adopted the Red Sox and some of them have just become baseball fans but not necessarily become Red Sox fans. And this is my strange proposal. Maybe where one of the new baseball teams should be is not in a new region and a new market, but maybe it should be somewhere else in New England. There was a rumor at one point when no one knew what the hell to do with the Montreal Expos. There was a rumor for a couple of years that they would start playing games at Fenway Park and be like a second team in Boston. And that rumor was squashed pretty soon. That must have been 2001, 2000. But part of me really loved that idea. And now it makes even more sense. Because one of the great uh, identities of being a Red Sox fan was being a team that you loved, you root for year in and year out, but they didn't win. That was the whole curse of the Bambino mentality. And now you have the team has become three-time World Series champion, and they are now a juggernaut. And believe me, your pal Sully is all for that. They won the division again last year. They, they have they picked up, uh, um, you know, they have the, the rotation where they have uh, the <laughs> putting together a, a, a superstar uh, starting rotation and lineup and everything like that. And quite frankly, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for them trying to win again. But what if there was a generation who is now growing up who has only experienced the superstar winning Red Sox and wouldn't mind having a team to build up to and see them win a title? And what if you had a, a team for the transplanted people coming into New England who have spent the last 10 years hating the Red Sox for winning left and right and everything like that. And what if you had a team, they say, hey, there's a lot of baseball fans here and they can't get into Red Sox game, but maybe we can go to this other team. What I'm saying is, what if there was a second New England team? What if we're finding out that some of these other markets can't really support a baseball team because it's not part of their culture, it's not part, it's not ingrained in them. But what if a second New England team could be the team for the transplants, for the people who hate the Red Sox, and for the people who want a new challenge? Because what is the new challenge with the Red Sox? Seriously, what is the new challenge? They're going to win again sometime in the next few years? and do so with a rotation of Sale and Price and Porcello and Wright, which would be their fourth World Series title since 2004. Trust me, I'm all for that. I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm all in. But what about the people who wouldn't mind saying, hey, I wouldn't mind having an underdog to cheer for again. I wouldn't mind having a new mountain to climb. I wouldn't mind not rooting for that team, but rooting for this team. What if you find out that that element of New England fandom is still there and needs to be quenched in one way and what if 
there's enough new people there to say, do you want, I'm not ready to be a Red Sox fan, but I can be a New England Rays fan. Is it realistic? Of course it isn't. Would the Red Sox allow it? Of course they won't. Would baseball want it? Probably not. They'd probably rather make money from a new source than try to squeeze more money out of New England. Could it possibly work? I actually think it could. I actually think it would be an interesting alternate universe. I don't know if I grew up in New England when I did, if at the time when, if there was the Braves still there along with the Red Sox. I don't know if I would have become a Braves fan if everyone was a Red Sox fan. I don't know if maybe there is that contrarian, that, that team that, like, do you know what? Everyone's rooting for the Lakers, I'll root for the Clippers. Everyone's rooting for the Cubs, I'm rooting for the White Sox. Makes easier, it's easier to be a Yankee fan, so I'll be a Met fan. I wonder if there is that quality, that element that exists somewhere in New England. And maybe it's a part of New England that wouldn't mind feeling like they're big league, like Hartford, like Providence. And say, no, oh, this is our team now. I don't know. It may, it's, it's an exercise in futility and the sort of place where my brain goes to while I'm waiting for a flight in the airport that used to be named for Bob Hope. Give it some thought. The New England Rays? Is it possible? Yeah, it's probably totally impossible. Probably have to be a National League team now that I think about it. An expansion National League team playing in Providence, Rhode Island, or probably playing in Hartford, Connecticut would probably be where it is. Could it be a complete catastrophe? I don't know. Maybe it could. But it might be interesting, too. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. And I am saying I have a plane that's going to take off pretty soon, so I should probably wrap this up. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook. Subscribe to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. From the airport that I still call Bob Hope, and considering putting a major league team to fight for the dollar in New England with the Red Sox. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 23rd day of December 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, I implore you, call me Sully.